And welcome back to Single Malt Matters, the American Single Malt Whiskey Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drew, back to conclude my conversation with the founder of Wanderback Whiskey in Hood River, Oregon, Mr. Phil Downer. And uh, time to try to get a little nerdy and talk about his sensory process and about how, based on what he's doing at Wanderback, how important a role that is in the big picture of the brand. All right, so now uh, what I want to do is I want to start to jump down a little bit of a nerdy rabbit hole with you. And the, the reason the reason why I think you are a good guy to talk to about this is is that given your unique uh, production approach and the fact that you are a very relational brand, uh, but the fact that that things happen in different areas, and it's cool because it's now it's not just the Pacific Northwest; it's the Pacific Northwest and Texas and Virginia. So what you're doing is you're now introducing new variables into the process with each new release, which is really cool. But it brings me to my question, how you approach blending and sensory evaluation on the product. Uh, it, and it kind of starts with the question of how do you know when it's done? Like what, what is the thing, what's the, the trigger mechanism that makes that light bulb go on saying, okay, it's ready. But given the fact that your process is different from year to year and you don't have trending analysis to, to fall back on and you're basically starting over every year for the first time. That's right. Right. You're doing it for the first time now every year. Very good. I love that. Yeah. So for you, that makes sensory evaluation and and analysis and your blending approach that much more yeah. important and critical. So how do you approach it? How do you do it? And and kind of walk me through the tools that you use. Uh, and by all means, feel free to throw whatever you want at me. I'm, I'm really interested in hearing how you do this. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I've never been asked before, but it's a fundamental key to what we do at Wanderback. Um, there's a bunch of things there that we can go into. I'm going to try to touch on the things that I think are would hopefully be the most interest to the listeners. But so, you know, determining whether a whiskey is mature or not is is one thing. And, and you know, what 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 happens there, what you what you figure out over time is there are clearly some immature notes that you can sense by smell that over time go away if you give it enough time and you put it in the right place. Um, and so once those immature notes have gone away, you know, enough to our satisfaction, you could then say that a whiskey is mature. Um, there is a there's a timeline, though. There's a time from that that point where you you know those those faintest notes are gone away. Uh, there's a time. There's many years that can pass where you, that whiskey is mature, but it isn't what we want to release. And that brings me to the next thing. So, um, I I approach this. You know, the way I look at a new make spirit is that there's a whiskey in there that's 
there's all, it's already it's there most of it is there there are notes that are going to be added flavors that will be added over time through um, you know a combination of molecules through an addition of molecules from the wood um, and then there are many things that are going to be taken away over time that will go away um, and um, and so what you're trying to do what I try to do is um, is shepherd it along and, and not get in its way um, so as with food and you know the coffee is probably similar but definitely food there are layers of flavor that you create you know when you're making a uh, tomato sauce or a any kind of a sauce or a soup you have various things that layer layered together and then with the right seasoning create a very tasty thing and and so whiskey is the same you have a number of flavor generators initially it's the malts and the yeast and the water and then you have um and then with time and oxygen you you create new flavor compounds and you eliminate others and what i try and do is um present to whiskey drinkers a a a layering or a a a grouping of flavors that I think are pleasant. Um, the nice thing about working with malt is it's so flavorful. I mean, it's it, you know you if you've ever tasted different the different beers that we make. I mean, hops play a big role in obviously the taste of beer, but there are so many amazing unique flavors that that are created with the malts that we make. The amazing malts that we make by adding energy to this barley, and, and so when you distill that fermented product you concentrate those and and so what you're trying to do is when you're when you're aging and then blending um present to people a balanced flavor profile that's that's pleasant you know so you have some i i look at i mean everybody looks at a sense of smell differently and what they what they sense and and what they what they think they're smelling has is different for everyone you know and i, I won't go into that's a whole little different kettle of fish but you know the the i have I, I i sense low notes i sense high notes there are some in the middle there are some that are early on the palate some that are late on the palate and um when you take a sampling of barrels that you think are ready and that represents some of the flavors that you're trying to present um you 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 know you blend with the idea of coming up with something that has a balance of of all those things in in a nice way and um it is pleasant to drink and taste um and um so yeah I, I i that's that's kind of the way i look at it and yes you're right we start new with every batch that we release um you know the the thing that we have now that we didn't have initially is we have a lot more barrels we have a lot more choice and and uh we we so we have a lot more avenues we could go in in the beginning I didn't have a lot of avenues, you know, like if something went bad or went the wrong way, I was kind of screwed, but you know, luckily it worked out well, but, um, not luckily we, we chose variables. We chose things that we thought were important and it turns out they were, but, um, you know, as, as we release more whiskey now, more batches, we have different avenues we can go down. And that's sort of, that's a discussion and a, and a thought thing over time that you just see, well, this is going this way. And, or this is going another way and so where do we want to take it and where where do we think it wants to go and what are we going to end up in the end and is it going to be palatable and nice for people to drink you know 
Yeah, and, and the challenge there, and part of the reason why I wanted to ask you that is you're turning the Titanic, right? I mean, you, you, you know where you're starting, yeah. and you've got a general idea where you want to wind up. But at the same time, it's 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 really what is the signal saying, okay, it's time to, you know, hit full stop, right? Because yeah, you, you can, I think, have a good idea of where it might go, but you're never going to know until it gets there. So if you're thinking like, okay, well, yeah. there are these specific flavors that we would like to see there but you don't know whether or not that's going to manifest or, or if it does, how long it's going to take. But at the end of the day, you still have a production deadline. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Part of that though, is I want to know, do you have any specific tools that you use uh, like sensory reference materials, uh, charts, uh, do you ever use like GCMS or LCMS or any technology to kind of guide that? Or is it strictly like, let's just sit down, sample some barrels and take some notes and then go from there? It's the latter. I, you know, these are, taste is a very, well, first of all, taste is a very subjective thing. And I'm trying to get a sense for, you know, well, I, I start with the idea of making something that I like and that I'm hoping my customers like. And then, you know, you, you see with time what flavors are, are coming out, you know, and, and there are sort of families of flavors that you realize come from certain places. So there are families of flavors that come from a cask of a, of a particular type and, and uh, heat treatment. And then there are flavors that are pretty characteristic of, of, of the malts that we're using. And, and, um, and so you, yeah, with time and, and, uh, experience um which we didn't have much in the beginning and we have some now um you start to get a sense for where where things are going to go you know and and uh, you start to see just by experience what flavors probably won't be present in a few in a year or two or three um the big thing that we're trying to do is as i've said a few times make a balanced whiskey you know it putting a putting a, a new make spirit like this American single malt in a new oak, white oak cask in a climate like we have, um, it doesn't take a lot to overly oak that whiskey. And so we face a time during about the two and a half to three and a half, four year mark where, you know, we've got to be careful if we, if we leave a whiskey in that new oak cask for too long, we're going to have, um, you know, an overpowering oak taste, which, you know, I do like a big oaky bourbon sometimes, but I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I, and so we don't want to overpower a certain group of flavors by another. Um, and the oak one is the, is a classic one, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, there, there, the time, time is just one of these levers that we have to pull. Generally time makes a lot of things better, but not all things. And so generally, if you start with something that has a flavor profile that's pleasant in the right ways, I mean, there's always the fainty, immature notes initially, but there are many things, there are, there are sort of families of flavors that you recognize right from the beginning that you then, you know, you realize you just need to sh shepherd them along and not overpower them by something else like the oak. So, and I know we, I was, I'm, and I'm not talking about, this is not a regulatory question. But uh, assuming assuming that the standard gets passed and it removes the requirement for new oak, 
Talk about how that's going to impact the category, I think, in general, because I think that's fairly straightforward, but specifically how it's going to impact what you do, because inarguably, a first-use barrel is going to have such a huge impact on flavor. Granted, it's going to vary from climate to climate, but regardless of where you are, that's going to have much more of an impact on flavor than uh, second second fill, right? So, yeah. so how is that, assuming that we get to that point and that that is going to be the reality, how is that going to change things for you? Yeah, I, I don't think it will. I mean, we have a mix of whiskeys now that are some are aged in all new oak, some are a mix of new and, and previously used. So, you know, I, I, I work with what I have and what I'm legislated to do. Um, there's plenty of ways of making great whiskey, whether you use new or previously used oak, um, especially if you have the barley and the yeast things to pull those levers to pull. So I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, like I said, we have, we've already released whiskeys that I really love that are a mix of new and used oak. So it's not, I don't, I don't really, I don't really mind. Uh, it, it's just, but at the you, end of the day, you're not going to change whether or not you go into, you're still going to go into first use. Oh regardless. yeah. Yes. I like, it's going to be the same balance. Yeah. I like that. I love oak and I love the fact that we have the, the availability of these wonderful new oak casks in the U S and it's, it's what I want to keep doing that. As long as we have nice oak growing in the U S the Ozarks or wherever, I'm going to use it. And I, and I, and I, but I also don't want it to be a the, the the only dominant flavor. You know, I have these crazy, amazing malts that we use, and they're they're so tasty and amazing. Uh, the last thing I'd want to do is crush that flavor with a big oaky stuff with a big oaky flavor. All right, so you opened up the door. Now we're talking about flavor. <laughs> I have I have in front of me. Uh, the latest release I've got release number five okay. uh, from you and it is we got 104 proof yeah. batch number five I'm gonna pour myself one too and uh, walk me through this one a little bit oh man <laughs> so I I poured it earlier and I wanted to let, I wanted to let it sit in the glass. Yeah, good. Sort of open up a little bit before yeah. I uh, before I dove into it. I'm just uh, getting myself a glass while we talk. Uh, yeah, so nice. this is a whiskey that was um, made over, over three years ago at Balcones. It was made with our um, our signature grain bill that we've talked about. It was shipped back. Uh, as new uh, new make and put in a new oak cask um, most most all of them we did use some of our um, x uh, well whiskey barrels that we had used previously for our previous whiskeys now now that we have you know a time and we've now got barrels of our own that have had whiskey in them and and so now we're using those occasionally for whiskey so um but predominantly, we were putting this in new oak casks, uh, um, high toast, low char, and um, it sat in the barn for the for three over three years. And uh, yeah, this is it. This is our this is our first of the Lone Star collection. Um, so, what do you think? Do you like it? Yeah, I'm just I'm nosing it. I'm I'm notorious for smelling a whiskey for like 30 minutes before I taste it. 
Yeah. Because I just well, that's the I best love. Stuff. And I'll tell you what you're talking about layering, and just even coming across on the yeah. nose. I mean that layering approach and those complexities really come through, uh, because good. Uh, just the, the the fruit notes are just off the charts, like just because right. it's and it's cool because it's balanced, you know. But we've got the strawberry, good. you've got some chocolate in there, uh, some mm -hmm. cherry notes. There's there's right. like <clears throat> plums, like very like dark fruit, red fruits. Right. Oh man. Good. This this, this yeah, smells I'm glad you get that amazing. Chocolate. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's 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 interesting because it's definitely like a chocolate covered strawberry is in there. <laughs> it, that definitely That's reads awesome. for me on the nose, and I just I love that. Hey, can I? Uh, and I don't. I don't want you to give away any anything that you don't want to say. Uh, do you? Um, do you remember what yeast did you use? Oh shit! I can't remember now. I'd have to look back at our notes for those guys. So that's one of the um, things that I really want to recall. dig into as well, because you know, I know, I know there are two predominant yeasts that they use, like in Scotland, uh, and and it's interesting that when you're talking about not only yeast, but I think they approach the production process similarly with, with the grain, they'll tell you, you know, like the grain doesn't really impart flavor. You know, that's still a very predominant idea in the Scotch distilling single malt whiskey tradition is that you don't go to the, you don't go to the grain for flavor. You go to it for yield and then you get your flavor from maturation, right? Um, but that's one of the things that I'm really curious about too. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. This is made with golden promise, which is a pale malt that has a tremendous amount of flavor. I, if you make a beer with golden promise, it's a very tasty beer. And this is, uh, so that this benefits from that in the pale malt is the, the biggest proportion of what we're using, but then the specialty malts, you know, and I, and I think that that is a, that is a huge part of it. Um, so I don't I don't agree with that, and I and with with the with the idea that grains don't provide flavor, um, and the fact that we're using then some of these specialty malts is a, I mean a huge part of it. The, a lot of the well the chocolate is the is the classic one. That chocolate flavor is a that's the pale chocolate malt, and it's a super unique flavor. You'll you'll know it as soon as you taste a whiskey that has used it. It's so it's so. Uh, it's really good. It's a pretty easy one to spot um, uh, or take you know, note of. And and um, so, yeah, I think the malts had a tremendous amount of flavor. And then and, and you just got to but you got to be careful. They're delicate flavors. They are typically fruity flavors. They are higher notes and they can be very easily overpowered by the, you know, I consider the stronger lower notes of the of the barrel of the of the uh, of the wood. Yeah, and that's it's really interesting too, because it's layered. But I think an aspect of of that quality in in a whiskey is understanding how it's going to play in the barrel, because you can very easily yeah. lose that chocolate <clears throat> note to like brown sugar and molasses. You know, when more more of those totally. more of those sort of lactones oh. that you expect to get from the wood, and it completely you know, obliterates what you were hoping to achieve in the Changing. finished spirit. And, and 
I love in uh, the fact that that's just that's not the case here in this whiskey, and that complexity absolutely carries through on the palate. Awesome! I'm glad you are saying the right things. I love it. We've never even spoken before. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I, I do love those, those wood flavors, uh, for sure. I really, really do. Um, but you know, it'd be such a shame for it to overpower with some of those more delicate, uh, flavors. Um, and this is not what you would consider a, an old whiskey. This is three and a half years old, you know, three and a half, four years old. This is what some would consider, especially in Scotland or whatever, the, a very uh, young whiskey, but, um, you know, I think it has what I would consider mature flavors, and and that that comes from various things. I think it comes from the grain, the specialty malts, and it comes from the the type of barrel, the, the new the new oak barrel that we're using. It has some amazing uh, what I consider what you know complex flavors, and they become present in a very fairly short time. You know. Um, And something really interesting that I don't typically find in a lot of of single malts that I got, I just, I have finally started sipping the whiskey (laughs) and I got, and I hate, you know, I hate tasting notes that just get too, like so deep in the weeds detail wise that it's like, okay, come on, dude, you're just, you're. I know you're just trying to you know get I attention feel the here. Same way. <laughs> but I'm getting a a very I'm getting a very specific, unique like a Bosque pear. Yeah, that's right. I've heard that said a number of times, and I and I sense it as well. But yes, you're absolutely right. You're not the first person who said that, and um, I okay, agree. Good. <laughs> no, you're not the first person. I, I totally agree. Man, this is so nice. I. Uh, oh, I'm glad you like it. That's great. I, I, okay. All right, Phil. Phil, I need you to. I need you to. This is just you and me talking here. All right. <laughs> I need you to start shipping this stuff to to Montana. I know. No. I'm working on it. So I'm. I'm working on it. I, I tell you. I tell you that. Uh, the, our company, the pandemic has had a massive impact on everybody, and 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 on distilleries, it's had a. A huge impact you know we went from like any distillery doing a lot of work on 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 prem and and bars and restaurants and then and that all went away all just like bang all of a sudden and then we had a we had i think what was a pretty compelling story we have a, we have a, we tell you know what you see on our website is what we are we are a, you know like i said a small distillery a craft distillery we're a, we're a, and a, just a single malt producer so I think I think we had a pretty compelling story, and so what I initially thought was going to be the end of our story with this pandemic has turned out to be a really good thing for us. You know, we now people are 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 interested, and and you know they've been they've been drinking their various great whiskeys right off. You know, c- continue to drink them, and then but now the people are they're like like many things they're kind of bored with the same old same old and. And they're they're a bit curious, and they're wondering. So, what are these guys doing in, in Hood River? And because people have had so much time to you know be at home and do their their own research online, we're now being discovered. And I'm I'm just I I'm just dealing with now the the sort of challenges of of going from a semi unknown, except for maybe Hood River in the Pacific Northwest, to being to being more known and. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's like you want to have the product available to everybody who could buy it, but 
it's not easy. It's, 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 it's like the, you know, as you know, the regulatory <laughs> stuff is such a pain in the ass and it's, we, we try, we want to be everywhere for everybody who would want to try us and drink us, but um, it just takes time. And so we're working on it. We're, 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 we're making a go and, and uh, we're doing our best. And then uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what we've accomplished so far, but I, I wish it didn't take so long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where are you distributed right now? Yeah, so we're in retail in in uh, Washington and Oregon, and we are online uh, in the big markets. Uh, yeah, I could I could list them. They're on our website, but California and New York. We're just we're just dealing with New York. We've just we've been, anyways. Like you go, you can go online and check out where we are. And and uh, I would just tell your listeners who aren't in the places that we're currently available. We're working on it. We're trying our best, and uh, we apologize if you if you really want to try us and you can't the other thing is you know we have a um we have a distillery at this farm which is a it's our farm and and uh we um we have a tasting room there but it's only open uh by appointment and at certain times one one of the big things that we really loved doing before the pandemic is is our yearly release party at the farm and um i'm still we're still not sure if making you know putting all the time and energy and money into doing it this year is going to be possible with just with you know the hangover of the pandemic and all the various things um but that's something we're definitely going to be doing in the future is is inviting everybody including yourself uh, to come to the farm for our fall release party and uh and just get a sense for what what happens you know we're trying to give people a, an eye into what we do with our social media presence and and just give people a sense for what you know, this journey is like for our whiskeys, but, um, coming to the farm in person is a very, it's a pretty, it's a, well, you, you know, it pretty well. It's a, it's a special place. It's, it's not just special because of the climate or the, the grass or the barley that grows or the, the buildings. Um, but it just has an energy there and Mount Hood is right there. Mount Adams is right there. It's a very special place. And, uh, it's, it turns out it's also a good spot to, to age whiskey. <laughs> So, so I'm pretty happy about that. I, w- I wasn't sure about that initially. <laughs> and some really good people down there too. Uh, it's it's uh, you know one of those. I know, and it's the people that does it. Yeah, it, it's just it's one of those places where as soon as you get there, you just you feel good. You know, I mean, there's just there's no other way to describe it. It's like okay, yeah, I I get why this I is know. special. It's so crazy you say that. I was talking to a guy. There's an old guy that works in one of our offices, and. Uh, He's a wonderful guy, and he spent time down there. He used to go down and visit friends and fish on the hood, on the river. And, and uh, he, he was talking about it today. He was like, there's an energy down there. And I don't know if it's because of the the Native American history there or just the fact that people have been there for so long. The Columbia River, if people haven't seen it, is a pretty, uh, is a pretty awesome deal. It's a massive water, body of water that flows you know, initially from north to south and then from east to west. And, and uh, <clears throat> there's a ton of water runs through there. And, um, yeah, it just – there's an energy there that is uh, – you know it when you're down there. And, and uh, I used to call it my, my antidote to the big city when I would go from Seattle to there. Um, but, yeah, it's a big part of who we are and who I am. That, that, that area is very special. So, yeah, so anyways, getting back to your initial comment, I – I look forward to the time when we can invite people down there to see what it's like in person, you know? So, yeah, count me in. 
<laughs> I'd love to host you down there. It'd be so fun. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, number six. When yeah. to Give me a little bit of background on that, when it's coming out, and what you're excited about. Well, it's basically going to be this this same whiskey that you're tasting now, um, spending another year in, uh, you know, in the aging vessel in the cask, and um, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be related to what you're what you're trying, but different, and and uh, um, I won't give away any sort of sort of for sure's on what what variables were going to change um i i think we've we've settled on a recipe now in terms of our our, our grain bill and our, our our barrel use and our types of barrels and where they are and so on but um yeah it's going to be a whiskey that will have definite uh similarities to what we've released and, and certainly batch five but it will be different and uh um my hope is it's going to have the same sort of things that you you just highlighted when you tried five you know that that balance those those notes that you talked about um it will have more of the barrel notes i don't think that we're going to be well we're not going to be using just new casks uh for that next batch six because that would be too long um and uh but yeah it's it's uh you know i i it's going to be a whiskey that's going to be related to what we've already released, but with some nuances that um, have yet to be determined. <laughs> awesome. And uh, when can we look forward to that coming out? Every fall. Every fall we will be releasing a, um, a batch. Uh, I don't know. We're not going to be like Microsoft Windows where we run in numbers, but uh, I don't, I <laughs> I'm trying to think about how we're going to figure to do that in the future as we get into the bigger numbers. Um, so we will always have a batch released every fall and then we will have founders reserve uh, released at varying times through the year. Uh, as we feel that casks who that are unique and special can be released as these, uh, these special offerings, you know, and I think that's going to be our deal going forward for at least the next few years. Well, Phil, I mean, it's for what it's worth, man, it's working for you. So congratulations. Good. This is an excellent whiskey. I, I'm Great. so happy that I was finally, I've been trying to get my hands on some of this juice for over a year now, and awesome. uh, I'm so I'm so happy and thankful that I finally was able to, and it it absolutely did not disappoint. So, oh, thanks good. Again. Your uh, your questions and your insight here are really really good. I, I uh, and I also just love the style of this podcast. So I uh, I applaud you. This is good stuff. Keep doing it, and and. Uh, you know, as we go along and we do new releases or, or things come up, whatever regulatory or, or with, with with the product and, and the steps that we follow, you know, reach out anytime. It's uh, it's really been fun to talk to you, and, and I hope we get to meet in person uh, very soon. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Sooner, sooner rather than later. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Phil Downer, uh, founder uh, and chief whiskey maker for Wanderback in Hood River, Oregon. Thanks again so much. I appreciate it. My thanks once again to Phil Downer, founder of Wanderback Whiskey in Hood River, Oregon. Uh, Links and show notes to this episode are available at the website asmwpodcast.com. Next time, taking, you know, I'm kind of sticking true to my, my promise 
to talk to different people, maybe kind of unexpected guests about different aspects of uh, single malt whiskey. And this one, it's almost so obvious (laughs) that I kind of feel dumb about not coming up with this sooner. Uh, But I'm going to be talking with Mr. Marty Duffy, the North American representative for Glen Cairn, which everybody knows is the, I don't know if it's official or unofficial, but the ubiquitous glass, the glassware that everyone uses for sensory evaluation in whiskey the world over again show notes and links at asmwpodcast.com that's also where you can go to reach out submit feedback or give me any recommendations if there's anyone you think i need to talk to uh, either on the distillery side uh, the equipment side the process side whatever if they're doing something in american single malt whiskey that you think is cool i think it's cool too and i want to talk to them asmwpodcast.com Until next time.